Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to You in HD, your identity in higher definition with Pastor Eric Miller. Join us in our journey of faith in God by taking an in-depth look into the Bible's authority and sufficiency to guide us in our Christian walk. Discover your identity in Jesus Christ today. How you doing? This is Reverend Eric. Uh, here we are. We're going to continue our our, our walkthrough with Mark. Um, first of all, I hope that this message finds all of y'all blessed and in good spirits. I pray that God has been merciful and giving merciful and giving you peace as going through these trying times as it is being a Christian in an ever changing place of this world where it seems that everything is now trying to contradict God, everything is trying to shift to subjective morale or you know social morale and that of course you know can change the whim of the, of the populace. Uh, it, it just seems like we're mounted up against so much evil, so much sin is now being wrapped in civil rights lingo that it, it, it makes it tough for us as Christians to live out in this world with a outlook that many would that that we could be encouraged by but i want i'm here to tell you and i'm i'm sure that your spirit has told you there's so much to look forward to and to have hope for in god there's so much that we have to look forward to in the coming of the kingdom so much that we have that it's a beautiful experience to know that we have a, a gracious Lord, powerful Lord, and a great Lord that we can look into when things are tough. With uh, Irma and Harvey doing so much devastation, now more than ever, should we be turning toward God in humility and repentance? We should be running to him, running to him, so that we could be saved from the wrath to come. Now, if everybody thinks Irma and Harvey is vicious and dangerous and deadly, no one has seen anything like what the coming judgment is going to be for all those that are the enemies of God that will be executed by our very Lord Jesus Christ. Some of the, the portraits that, that, that are inside Revelations of Christ worries and scares many. And it should. But the most rewarding thing to understand about Christ is the beforehand, before God's righteous wrath comes back to us. And that is right now, we've been given a time to repent. The reason why the world is not just exploded and every type of immorality you can think of. The reason why this is a slow grind toward destruction 
is to give people time. Christ is the restraining force. And God has appointed Christ for this very task. To give men a chance to repent. To give people a chance to repent. And we can look to our scriptures, as always, for encouragement, righteousness, correction, and rebuke. Something we need to do more often. I don't know about y'all, but I know when I get in my Bible, I'm encouraged. I am encouraged to see what God is doing. I'm encouraged when I'm face to face with the creator of the universe and I start to see exactly where I fell short and fall short every day. And I'm thankful that the sanctifying work of God continues to work in me because I'm a wretch of a human being. You know, we live in a time where everybody's trying to pat each other on the back and I only want to speak positive things in my life and I only want to talk about things that make me happy. It's a bunch of hooey and nonsense. You want to live in fantasy land. It's the, it's, it'd be the equivalent of always being high and drunk. You don't want to deal with the fact that you are guilty before God and that you are a wretch of a human being. What is so hard about coming to the conclusion of the, that, that, of the truth of how God sees you? Oh, Because your flesh doesn't like it. Sin, it doesn't like it. it doesn't like, your flesh does not like to hear the truth, so it, it wants to hear a lie. Begins every day, right? Every day we start, oh, I'm a, you know, you hear people talk about positive affirmations and speak life over your life. Oh, that's all well and good and dandy and cute, but it doesn't get to the meat of the problem. It doesn't root out the issue of how broken man really is. It doesn't get to the point of how distraught, destroyed, and broken real humanity is. And that's why year after year you see these people with these self-help gurus, these supposed self-help gurus. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Why every six months they got new books coming out? If the process worked, you there be no repeat. There be no repeat. It is the evidence that it is does not work, which is the truth. But that's so I, so I don't segue into another story. I, I just another area. I just wanted to kind of. It has to be talked about. It has to be talked about. It deals with us looking toward hope. Us looking toward hope. And and one of the major, major tools that we have for that is this living, breathing word of God. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction." So that we have hope through the endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Look at verse 5. This should encourage even more. Now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with one another according to, look at that, according to the command of Jesus. That should give us some love. That should give us some comfort. Notice Christ commanded us to be in harmony with one another. Christians, we need to be at peace. We need, we need to live peacefully amongst the world because we are definitely outsiders. We are definitely no longer part of this world. The sooner we understand that as Christians, the better. And if your pastor is every Sunday 
telling you how to be a better person to live in this world, and he's not, you know, washing you thoroughly and power scrubbing you thoroughly with this word of God, he ain't doing you any good. If he's not telling you that when Irma and Harvey hit, that that is the actual will of God, that God, God allowed calamities to happen, why? Is he evil? Is he evil? Why would he allow certain things? I don't know. I don't know why God allows these things to happen. I'm just in, in awe and majesty that he is God who he says he is. And I'm also equally humbled and in fear of him, knowing full well that you have to understand all life, all breath, every minute of the day has been given by God. God has the right to do as he sees fit. And the good news and it gives me comfort is that everything he does is just. Well, I can't find any justice in what he did. Maybe you need to go commune with him. Maybe we need to become knee deep in what it is to understand God. It's not like he's unapproachable. Not even close. Very approachable. But you won't like what you have to see when, when he looks at you directly for what you are. Jesus does it every day. Confronts a man right where he stands. In the truth of what that man stands in. Not a lie that that man wants to believe. As a matter of fact, let's look at what Jesus Christ represents and why he's such a, a polarizing figure in the days that he walked on this earth, God manifested. Because he confronted every single human being with the truth of that everything up to this point they believed is a lie. All that truth, all light, all right, all judgment belongs and lives in God. No personal belief systems. No all multiple paths lead to heaven. One way. That's it. No more preconceived notions. No personal ideologies. No maybe I think if I believe this I could do some good work. No flesh can appease God. There's no sacrifice he'll ever take again. Outside of Christ there is nothing else. There's no other way to get to God. There's no other ideology. There's no other belief system. You can join every religion in the universe to think that they can have the answer to get to God. None of them have the answer. The answer has already been revealed in Christ. So there is no extra. And until this saturates your being, and until you become comfortable and come to grips with this, you're going to struggle. I made a post last week about God hates divorce. And you should have seen social media blow up from this, this one statement. And I've always asked the same question. Well, you know, Christ said he allowed, he allowed you to remarry this, that, and the third. But I want to ask a simple, basic question that I've always wanted to ask. Did God change his mind like a man? Did he make an exception to the rule? Because everything God has said has stood. That means if he hates something, he didn't change his mind and say, well, I kind of like it now because I got a better understanding of it. No, that's a human man. That ain't God. That ain't God. That simply isn't God. Period. He's not a man. He can't lie. So we need to we need to we need to come to grips with God for who he is, not for who we want him to be. We're so desperate to want God to be what we want. And we don't take any time to know who he truly is. And that takes diligence. That takes drive, desire, and more importantly, he has to will it. 
He has to will it. God is not a man. He's not. He's trying to relate to God on a one-on-one basis as a man just doesn't work. It's impossible. If you can understand Ehrman Harvey, you need to understand very unique. Numbers 23, 19, God reminds us God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? He's not going to change his word for our benefit. Christ didn't come to change God's word. He came to fulfill it. And until that wraps around our brains, until that saturates and dominates, until Christ is the ruler of our life, we're going to struggle every day with this. You hear it every day. They want to take God and Jesus separate. No, no. One God. One God. One God. That's it. Nobody else. None before, none after. Everlasting. Everlasting. Nothing more. That, that, that's it. It's, uh, it's only him. So when, when the flood came, no, Irma and Harvey are nothing close to when God flooded this entire world to eradicate and obliterate sin. Nothing can come close to that righteous wrath. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing can come close. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And let me tell you something. That should give us pause to reflect. You know, there's still, there are Christians or professing Christians today that believe that didn't happen. Ah, oh, it's a metaphor. Couldn't have happened. Oh, no, it happened. Not only does our scripture say it, we believe it. But we're trying to make God something that he's not. God, Jesus Christ, same person. John 1. The word's with God, the word was God, the word is God. It's easy. First Timothy 2 5. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Once again, Deuteronomy 4.35, to you it was shown that you might know the Lord, he is God, and there is no other beside him. Deuteronomy 6.4, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the God is one. James 2.19, you believe that God is one, you will do well. You will do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. And now that segues into going back to Mark. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. Pray for those 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 uh, poor souls that have been ravaged by Irma and Harvey, Lord. Family, friends, strangers. Lord, comfort them. 
Lord, I, I, I pray that they see your, your light and your love, Lord. That even in the darkest times of their life, that, that you're still there. You're still a light and still encouragement, still hope. Lord, forgive them for their sins. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. For we know not what we do with you, Lord. We trifle with things about, things about your name and about who you are. We trivialize so many things about the, the, the life of being a Christian and what it is to live holy. So flawed, Lord, we, we are, but we're so thankful that, he, that in our faithlessness, you are always and forever and eternal faithful to us. We don't deserve it. Lord, I hope these scriptures enrich and encourage all that are listening, including myself. And I hope that you gain glory from this, Lord, when we try to illuminate what it is you wish us to learn continually about your Son, about our King, and our Lord, that you set above us to rule over us and to be the Savior of us. In Jesus' name, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's get to our text. We'll try to make some. We'll try to make some some progress. But man, you know, you get some some good news, and it's good to eat. It's good to eat when we're in the Word of God. Let me tell you, best diet plan ever. Learning that Word of God, you can get spiritually healthy. You can be on a treadmill for hours and lose all the burn all the calories you want. But until you get rid of those sinful calories, you're not really doing much. It's that simple. So we left off at verse fifteen. We left off in verse 15 when Christ has already come. John's already baptized. John's already talked about the coming of Christ. Christ is now here. We're now reaching a point to where now we're going into the ministry. So, let's go to verse 16. Now, this is that we did read, leave off in verse 16 with the disciples. And it's so enriching to see the connections. How Christ... Christ has done more quotes, uh, quotes, and, and 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 basically revealing the from from Deuteronomy and, and and from the old from the Old Testament. There's so many references that Christ have used. So why oh, he was there? It's about him. Is the foreshadow the Old Testament the foreshadowing of Christ to come? So why would it not be about him? It's beautiful to see that how he refers back to the prophets. And simple things, simple things like this can be revealed. And so I cannot tell you the invaluable use of one-on-one time with God. I cannot stress that enough. I cannot stress enough spending time with God. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you to spend time with God, it is a beautiful thing. You talk about peace beyond anything you can recognize. Listen to the will of God. That's where your peace lies. My word. So as he was passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and, Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Verse 17, follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, they were in their boat, mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. What's amazing about this text here is the beginning days of, the, of, of, of Christ gathering his people, gathering the disciples, which soon become the apostles. What I enjoy about this is that when Christ had said, follow me, Jesus told them, and I'll make you fish for people, 
That actually goes back to Jeremiah 16, 15. What? Yes, sir. All the way back to Jeremiah 16, 15. What, 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 do we, what do we get from that? Well, let's take a look. Let's look at Jeremiah 16, 15. Well, God also references the same thing. But as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel. I, this is from Jeremiah 16, 15. But as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. For I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Behold, watch this, look at verse 16, powerful. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And after all, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill, and out of the cliffs of the rocks. For my eyes are, for my eyes are on all their ways. They're not hidden from me. It's powerful, right? Nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. Isn't that amazing? So here's Christ quoting from Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Once again, dealing with the truth of the foreshadow of him, that shepherd, sending out men, fishermen. And what I find interesting is he also said sending out hunters. That part really got my attention. Hunters. You know, fishing... Uh, not that I'm a fisherman or an avid fisherman. I couldn't even tell you anything about fishing. But I know that there's some complications to it. I know today that there's lots of different... There's all types of ways you can fish. All the types of technicalities and technologies and used in it. And I get it. You know, that when we look at a fisherman, they're throwing out their nets. What happens? Fish get caught up in it. They're going about their merry way. They're doing what they have to do. And then they get caught up. Then they get caught up. I find that interesting. That 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 I, I, I find that fascinating, you know. But but here's the thing: fish are pretty, you know. And from that standpoint, throwing out a net, I'm pretty sure you can get a pretty good amount of fish. Now, unless the the tide or however it is that fish, you know, if there's a if there's a, a drought or whatnot when fish aren't coming, I'm sure it's hard it's hard that you can throw out as many nets as you want and not gain anything. But what? But when the when the harvest is good, I'm pretty sure you know you can come home with a pretty good haul. So I get that part. I got it. I get it. I understand. And I can live with that. But when we when I heard the the hunt, that's what really got my blood cut up. So I will hunt them down. I found that amazing. I will send hunters. Hunters. That I found interesting. That's a little different than being in a net, right? That's a little different than us moseying along and being in a net. But look at look at what look at the uh look at what the Greeks the Greeks said say Sayad, a masculine noun meaning hunter. It refers to a person who tracks down and kills. It is used metaphorically of the hunters the Lord would send against his people to judge them. We get that from Jeremiah sixteen sixteen. Interesting how that works, right? Interesting. I'll get hunters. To get out there. What may get my blood pumping from that? Just to understand that Christ has staved again. When the hunters went out in the Old Testament in Jeremiah to go out and punish the wicked. Those that have turned away. Those that have rebelled against God. Can you imagine now that there's just room for fishermen? There's just room for fishermen. Because God, what? It's not gonna, the God, Jesus Christ is not here to judge us. Not now. He's here to save. He's here to help. 
get us reconciled to God. Christ is not an add-on plan. He's not an enhancement. He's not like Mayo, Mayo, you know, Mayo's the 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 the, 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 the juice amplifier. You know, you get some water, you squirt some of that Mayo in there, or or or, or crystal light, and you pour a little bit in your water. And now you have lemonade because you know you got no. Christ is not an additive. He is either the complete ruler of your life, or he's none at all. He's not going to compete with any of your idols. He's not going to compete with any of your ambitions. He's not going to compete with any of your family. He's not going to compete with any of your friends. He's not going to compete with any of your thoughts or any of your beliefs that are false. He's only going to be your ruler and your Lord and your Savior, or he's nothing to you. Or let's be plain, you're a friend of God or enemy of God. Inside Christ, friend of God. Outside of Christ, enemy of God. Very simple. I always find it fascinating that Christ referred back to the prophet, Jeremiah, to send out fishermen to gather his people. Some that slipped through the nets. I guess the hunters went for him. Those that did not want to be caught. Those that did not want that, that fought vigorously against the obvious the truth that God has come to rescue them. God sent hunters. But right now. We have a shepherd that protects us from the evil of the world. We have a shepherd that's constantly, constantly protecting us and watching over us so that the hunters don't come. In this case, even more so than people's thoughts, our own thoughts, our own sinful ways, demonic spirits, people, the world that have twisted ideals that want to change the Christian mind and get us backed up into a corner where we can't even profess ourselves. But we have to profess Jesus Christ. We got to continue forward. So I'm thankful that the Lord didn't send hunters. That's his first time. He sent fishermen. And he's going to teach them how to fish for men by the truth of the gospel. As we continue forward, we see in verse 21, then they went into Capernaum and right away. Now you notice in these statements. So first, let's take a look at, let's go back to look. So you go back to verse 17. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will... How you fish for people Immediately verse 18 Okay He saw James and John of Zebedee and his brother John They were in their boat men in their nets Verse 20 immediately You know this is, the, this is how Mark writes Mark is about action It's happening right now There's no hesitation There's no hesitation. It's, everything is happening right now It's fluid and it's active And things are moving right away We can see that Christ is not wasting no time After he made the, the famous Repent and believe in the good news in verse 15 from Mark 1, we now see Christ. He said, well, he's at work. He's at work. He had a hard hat on. He's ready to work. Then he went into Capernaum and right away into the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. And watch this. They were astonished at his teaching because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them one as who having authority. Now, to understand this, we have to understand why they were astonished, why they were shocked, why this was something that then they just could they couldn't grasp it. Like, who is this man? What is he doing? What is he doing in our synagogue? What's he doing teaching? And then what's he teaching? Having authority. That's huge. Now, Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. 
If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. When we look at that, we, we have to understand right now this is the first confrontation. This is the very first confrontation where man does not understand who Christ is. This is the first confrontation where man tries to come up with an idea and have a false idea of who Christ is. These are the first, these are the first collide of the religious leaders. This is it. It's where it starts. It begins with the people questioning, and it gives the religious authority questioning. Who is this man? We didn't train with us. He wasn't at the synagogue with us. He didn't have a prominent family like us. We didn't know who, who is this man. Who is he? And he came in here. Not only did he come in here, he's teaching us about things that, how, why, how? Who is he? Can you imagine just coming, going into somebody's church and getting behind the pulpit and just someone started preaching? Your pastor would be like, who is this man? And then what's worse, he's preaching right things. And your pastor's sitting there going, who is he? How does he know so much about the the true doctrine? And I'm sitting here trying to teach my people about what I think is right. It's got to be a style. It's got to be shocking. Looking at the audience out of the pews. I'm so wrong. Looking at the the church out of the pews. And they're looking at each other going, who is this man? That ain't my pastor. Who is this man? Who is this man? It's a great question. Well, first, we got to understand who scribes were. All right? Who were scribes? Scribes were the interpreters of the law. All right? The scribes examined the more difficult and subtle questions of the law. They looked at the Mosaic law and for decisions and various kinds of things to, to, to give meaning and scope. They, they gave advice. There were men skilled in the law. And they, they knew they knew they knew they always looked at the law to try to find a to, you know a cause and effect. They were always looking to how to rectify a situation. They were always looking into how to expound on what the law meant when a transgression came about. They were the original expository preachers. These were the, these are the men that rolled out the scrolls and taught. And they had the right to do so. They had the right to do so. They also were very similar to port, you know, court reporters and secretaries. They had an office, their office was very, very important. And most more importantly, they knew the law better than anybody, from at least up to this point. They believed it. And they did. There was none greater than them at that point. These men were skilled in what they did, and they knew how to decipher and go through the law. And they had confidence they could go in and out of the law to help. A situation and a problem. You have problems with difficulty in the law, you go to a scribe. You have problems with understanding, you know, you had a question about the law, go to a scribe. You had questions about how you dealt with a social situation and you wanted to see if it violated the, the law, go to a scribe. These were the original men that came when you had an issue that had to do with the law and you needed you needed an expert opinion. These were the experts. And they had the authority to speak. And so nobody could just roll in 
and become a scribe. That was not how that worked. Not how that worked. So can you imagine their shock? Can you imagine their, their astonishment? Who is this man? Who, who is, who's coming in here teaching like authority? I don't recognize him. We didn't rub elbows with him when we were in our when we were in training. How does he know about the law? He wasn't there studying with. I don't. I don't ever remember hearing his name. Who is this man? They're coming up with their own ideas on what they think he is. Who were they? Who were the scribes? Where did authority come from? And how come Jesus Christ is teaching them? He's one of them. And here's the part that's even that's here's the part that really astonishes them and blows their blows their chicken out of the water. Just then, watch this. So he was sorry, sorry. They were astonished at his teaching. Because unlike the scribes, he was teaching them as one having authority. Okay, one having authority. So they didn't recognize they, they, they didn't see a recognized authority on him. But we already know Christ was also teaching in the synagogue when he was a child when he got left by his parents his parents went on about their business with a bunch of group of families right and Christ wasn't there so they went all turned through trying to find him where was he at he was in the synagogue teaching he was in the synagogue teaching but anyway let's look at look let's look at a scribe let's take a look at scribe the scribes of course was an ancient office of public affairs for a nation all right. They weren't necessarily the leaders, but they definitely had major influence. Because again, their job was to understand, decipher, and articulate and roll out the law. They knew how to handle business. They're the lawyers. They knew the ins and outs. They knew it all. And they had the right, just like you can't go into a courtroom. And prosecute or defend. You got to have what? You got to pass the bar exam. Well, these men passed the bar exam. These men were legal, certified, ready to go. By man's account. Along comes Christ. Teaching with authority. The authority what? That he had. How do we know he had that authority? Well, we go to verse, we go to Matthew 28, 19. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Christ was immediately qualified. They didn't know he was who he was, but we know Christ was qualified. Just then that we couldn't even they, they couldn't even get into the whole diatribe yet because then what happened? Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, "What do you have to do with us, Jesus Nazarene? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God." Now, what I find interesting in that passage, just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. So this man's been sitting, how long he's been there? We don't know. How much, how, was he there for days, months, years? Don't know. But here's what we do know. He was in there. And obviously, guess what? Not, he wasn't coming out. But look at, look at, as we keep going, look at what Christ says in verse 25. But Jesus, but Jesus rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him shouted with a loud voice and came out of him. Now we see a lot of that. I've seen a lot of that in my black churches that I grew up in. 
men and women when the preacher's preaching and all of a sudden they start screaming and yelling and, and falling on the ground and gyrating and every nonsense we could think going on. None of that is even close to being ever biblical inside the word of God. Now I can understand if someone is overwhelmed by the spirit of truth but never will God throw a man down. Never. Why? It doesn't make it it creates a distraction. I can understand being broken down in your seat and someone has to come comfort you. All well and good. That is uh, That happens greatly. That happens back in Nehemiah. We can see that happening. That's acceptable. I can understand that. Somebody rolling around, flopping around on the ground, screaming and crying and carrying on. That's uncomfortable. God would never throw someone on the ground and, 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 and show his majesty by having you look a fool. He wouldn't do it. Never has, never will. God gave us a sound night. The Holy Spirit would throw you on the ground? For what? There's no money in that. There's no there's nothing in that that gains anything. Now, if someone's sitting in the sitting in the pews and the word of God is is is, is reaching into them, convicting them, and they're being and they're, and they're being hit. And someone comes up to comfort them. That happens. Let's take a look at look at Nehemiah chapter eight. Look, watch this. Thank the Lord. Look at that. So as the word goes back, Ezra. We'll go to verse four. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse four. Ezra, the scribe, stood on the high wooden platform made for this purpose. The the, the pulpit of the, of, the, of the pulpit that we have today in our churches. Natiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah. Helikiah and Messiah stood beside him on the right. To his left was Padiah, Mishael, Malachijah, Hashem, Hashem Bedani, Zechariah, and Mishalom. Ezra opened the book of, in full view of the people, since he was elevated above everyone. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, with their hands uplifted. All the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The original powerful thing that happens in church. And I'm sure this happens still today. And if it's not, I'm concerned. But you can see here, the reverence for God is there. The reverence for his word is there. Because he said he opened it in full view. I think that's important. Knowing that you're reading from the text. Not reading from your notes in a teleprompter. Look at verse 8. They read out the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that people could understand what was read. This, that's what scribes did. That's what we're talking about in, in Mark right now. That's what the scribes did. That's what the scribes were doing. Praise the Lord. That's what the scribes were doing. Here, there's no problem. They read out the book of the law, translating and giving the meaning so that people could understand what was read. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And then look what happened. When the law was read, look at what the law does. The law convicts people of sin. This is what that's what it's that was what it's that is what its purpose was. Because look what happened that Nehemiah, verse 9, Nehemiah the governor. Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people because the Levites they had that right to call had the, the instructing the people said to all of them this day is holy to the Lord your God do not mourn or weep 
For all people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. That law was convicting them heavily. As it should to this day. If you're leaving out the law when you're evangelizing, you're leaving out the only ally we have to convict a man of what he lives in. His sin. Can't get rid of it. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich. Drink what is sweet. It's in portions of those who have nothing. Prepared since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your stronghold. And the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still. Since today is holy. Do not grieve. Isn't that amazing? That all the people began to eat and drink. This sounds echoed, right? This echoes all the way from the Old Testament into Acts. When the people were all in the church. Breaking bread and sharing things amongst one another. We can see that practice all the way back in the Old Testament. Praise God. That worship of God and fellowship has never changed. Then all the people began to eat and drink, send portions, and have a great celebration. But here's, here's again with the scribe. How important was Ezra? Praise God. How, how important was Ezra? Because they had understood the words that was explained to them. So what do you think the difference between Ezra, what was going on at the time of Nehemiah's days, and the time now where we're at our Lord coming into the synagogue? I can only surmise maybe the people didn't have the understanding like they used to. You remember, there was a gap in between where God was silent. And from that point forward, can you imagine how many people was concerned, worried, scared, fearful? Because what one once was hearing from God, now was silent. I can only I can only imagine the fear that crept above them. I can only I can only imagine what it was like for them when the scribes were trying to explain to them the law, and even they too probably were shaking. There was no voice coming from heaven at that time. All they had was the comforts of the scriptures. That's all they had. And thank God they were still teaching. But as we go, Christ is going to, Christ is going to confront these men, these scribes. This is how we, we, have, we have substantial basis that we can say, yes, these scribes may have educated the people, but it wasn't good enough. They weren't giving them hope. They weren't giving them some kind of peace. They weren't, they, they weren't men of the people. They lost their way a long time ago. And Christ is going to make note of that because here, how do we know that? Let's keep reading. So after that, after the demon was thrown out, and first of all, we know we have to understand all knees shall bow, all tongues shall confess. So this demon knew who Jesus Christ was. These men didn't. Demon did. But let's continue to go down. So now we got well, now they know who he is because the demon screamed out, Jesus the Nazarene. So now we have a name to this so-called mysterious man that came in with authority, preaching better than the scribes. Verse 27, And they were all amazed, so they began to argue with one another, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the evil spirits, and they obey him? News about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. The beginning of them not understanding who Christ is. Not understanding who was amongst him. 
The fact that Christ has all authority under heaven, in heaven, and on earth should give us an understanding and a clear view the favor and beauty of Christ's rulership on earth and in heaven. Much like these men that were questioning who is this man teaching with authority, that happens still to this day. You have people straying from pulpits preaching things they shouldn't. Women preaching behind pulpits, teaching and preaching things they shouldn't. False teachers sending in philosophy and trying to mix it with scripture to make some kind of hybrid, hell-concocted concept to try to help us life-applicate the Word of God. There was no life-application to the Word of God. There was the law, that was the truth of what it was, and how you had to live your life right with it. There was no life hacks, no shortcuts. Well, scribe, can you give me a, a workaround? Or what? It was the law and the law only. How you figured out it was was not the case. It's how it is. It's what God says. And what he says, he has never changed and will never change. And that should give us comfort. Because if he says, I will save you and I will keep you, our faith and trust is in Christ Jesus to do as he said he was going to do. Our faith as a Christian is hinged, one, on Christ's works, not ours. Our faith is hinged on understanding and believing in him because of scriptures speak of him from Genesis to Revelation from all the servants of God all the blessed prophets and the apostles and the pastors and preachers that, that come after all the testifying the truth of God this is the third thing that gives us comfort knowing that God says who he says he is and his word accomplishes as he says it will accomplish God will do as he says he will do so when, it, when Christ came in the beginning first days, as we can see in Mark chapter 1, can you imagine the weight that these people were carrying? That no matter how much the scribes have told them, they were still waiting for their sins to be forgiven. They had trust and faith that, that what was taught for them, he who was being taught about, they were teaching about Christ, he finally came. So it makes it easy. It makes it an easy thing to understand when people were flocking to John the Baptist when he was saying, "Come, repent, be forgiven of sins, for the Savior is coming." How far would you travel for that? Some of us, the the, the difference between traveling could be simple as a knee drop. It could be simple as calling out to a neighbor or a friend and say, "Man, help me out. I'm struggling with God." <gasps> Excuse me, I'm struggling. It's a powerful thing to be face to face with the living God. And he's trying to save you. That call to repentance. That call to repentance in verse 15. Repent and believe in the good news. The good news is Christ has come to forgive those of sins. And to give eternal life to all those who trust their life in him. That is the central doctrinal truth of our faith. There's no separation between our doctrine and our faith. They're, the two 
are coincide. They're together. They're inseparable. The less you know about God's word, the less you're going to know about God. Period. These people, all they had was the scriptures to comfort them. All they had was the scribes to tell them of the lamb that is coming. These Gentiles had all they had while they were waiting for this promise of a Savior that's going to forgive them of their sins. They were all waiting reconciliation to God. And all they had was this truth. And today, you have to get people to get into a devotional with colorful pictures just to get people to read a Bible verse. You have to have apps that remind you to send you a verse a day because it, they, you're not going in your Bible. So I'm going to get something to notify me, to remind me that, hey, God loves me by sending these top 35 verses. But are you understanding the sacrifice of the prophets? How many men and women have died so we, this gospel could reach us? We read about the persecution of the church. It was a hard time. Nero lit Christians on fire for garden torches. We were literally ornaments in a garden for his parties. How many Christians were martyred to get this word of God in our hands just for us to discount it because we don't like theology. We don't want to learn about doctrine. We just want to love God and get our hearts to him. These people in the... These early Judeans, these early men and women that crossed long periods to go through the Jordan River to be baptized, they just wasn't feeling the love of God. They trusted in the truth. They trusted in the scriptures. They trusted in the scriptures. How do we know they trusted in the scriptures? Because Romans, Romans chapter 15 verse 4, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction. So that we may have hope through endurance and through encouragement from the scriptures. These men and women were encouraged knowing that Christ was coming. Are you encouraged? Are you humbled? Is Christ the ruler of your life? Are you are you still are you currently fishing? To help others? Are you bringing the good news to other people? Because we've been commanded to do so. Any of you out there convicted? or Are you you saved? Do you have complete trust that God will do what he says he'll do in preserving your soul in his son? Do you trust Christ? Because the answer is you don't. Now's a good time. To get on bended knee and ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Those affected in Irma and, and, and Hurricane Harvey, if you're sitting at home and you watched the devastation seen on TV, if that has humbled you and or made it scared you, if it scared you and terrified you to try to understand a God that would allow such a thing, now's a good time. Get on your knees. And talk to him. God answers every man. As Romans chapter 1 says, all unrighteousness have been revealed from heaven, but God's going to confront everybody. He has no problem with that. But you'll be willing to listen. If any of you today even have a doubt in your mind that you're saved, 
If you're in questions about your salvation, I'm not. That ain't the worst problem. The fact that if you don't even even try to or care that you are or you're not. But if you're not, and you got some questions, you have some doubts, some lingering fears. Now's the time to go to God. Trust in the scriptures, brothers and sisters. I search them every day because they give me encouragement. It isn't just to find a sermon or to create an episode. This is my life. After I lost my mother, I was reading the Bible every day before. After, it's even more so because I'm trying to look for hope every day. And I'm finding it by learning about myself, by God who's teaching me about who I'm supposed to be in him, doing his will as his servant and bond slave. I'm not crying out to somebody else to give me some help. I'm crying to God to help. God, give me the strength to endure. And from Romans 15, 4, keep stating over and over, this is for our encouragement. Don't ignore your Bible, brothers and sisters. If you don't own one, go to a hotel and ask. The Gideons will give you a Bible. Go to your friend or family member, borrow a few dollars for a few bucks. Go to your local, you know, the secondhand bookstore, get a Bible and get in it. There's so many free resources online on your phone. But Olive Tree, I think one of the greatest apps known to man that deals in the, the Bible truth has so many free resources. Get involved in your salvation. It ain't just your preacher's job, it's your job, it is your responsibility. To continue to fortify your assurance and get good people around you to fortify the same. This is Mr. Reverend Eric. I love you very much. I hope to see you again as we continue working our way through Mark chapter one. And let me let me let me say again, if you don't know God and you have questions about your salvation, let today be the day you start asking for forgiveness. Let today be the time you, you sit to bend a knee and want help. How to get right with God. To how to do it my own ways. Everything you keep doing ends up in the same dirt in the toilet. Well, get out of it. Go to God. Repent and be saved. You have just listened to You in HD, your identity in Jesus Christ with Pastor Eric Miller. This ministry is made possible by your thoughtful prayers and donations. Join us each week as we continue to explore our Christian identity in Jesus Christ. May God richly bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.